This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. My Talkers, summer continues to stick around. What a beautiful Tuesday afternoon it is. It doesn't feel like fall. We've got a few more days of beautiful weather here, so let's enjoy it. But one other thing we've got to enjoy is Lori and Julia taking into the most productive day of the week, Tuesday. That it is. Yeah. Julia's not feeling a thousand percent. We could find nobody for you, but um, let me share with you an entertaining please, story about your brother. Do. So we were so excited. Uh, for the kids last night. And even though we don't get that many kids, last night was a record for the least amount of kids we've ever had. But it started off with a bang. So we got a little skunk. And this little skunk's name is William. And he's a little boy who lives behind us. Their family lives on Summit, but they come over because, you know, yeah, yeah. they know some of the house, the neighbors. And he's like only four. And he comes in the house and he looks at Casey and goes... Hey, what's your name? And Casey goes, it's Casey. He goes, yeah, you're the tickler. Mommy, daddy, this is a man who tickles me and I don't like it. I tell him, don't tickle me. You're, you bug me when you tickle me. And Casey, you know, squatting down, he goes, no, no, I haven't tickled you since that one time. He goes, see, mom, he is the tickler. And he's like, um, and then he's like, what's your name? And I said, you can call me Casey because that's what the kids always end up calling me. He goes, he goes, he can't tickle me. I don't like it. And I said, w- where's Maida, his little four-year-old I, I friend? I met her because she comes over all the time. And asks for candy. Yeah. I don't know where Maida is, but she likes tickling. I don't. I mean, he's going <laughs> on and on, and the parents are kind of like, report. they're kind of like, and he's like, yeah. And he doesn't give us candy because Casey thinks I've turned these two four-year-olds into raccoons. Okay. <laughs> that I gave them <laughs> candy <laughs> when he's been out of town and they come and they knock on the door and for sometimes candy. they come in the door. I, and they, they came in when I was over there for a football yes, game. Yes, those, those come right in. Yeah. So anyway, Casey gave uh, Lil William two Snickers bar. Never saw Maida. Felt so desperate. I had to text the neighbor, will you send over any neighbor kids? We had two kids. Stop. Until the neighbor sent a little pack of like eight children over. Because they all go to Summit. I know. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, that's that's the neighborhood. That used to be the thing to go and get the full-size candy Candy bars. bars, But the houses are so much further apart, you can get double the work in on a regular street. Yes, exactly. That's what I always thought. I would go... Like, who wants to walk that far? Yeah, well, and then speaking of, I mean, the, Jimmy Kimmel had a pretty funny... He was sh- cute with the very, bears. Very cute. He had good guests on, you know, Patton Oswalt. Gwyneth Paltrow was not too insufferable. But, you know, <laughs> he always does his thing the day after he asks for people to send. And I think it'll be on tonight. Tell your kids you ate all their yes. Halloween candy. Yes, that's right. So here's just a little bit from uh, Kimmel on uh, why he loves doing this, even though he gives, he gets a lot of crap about it. Yep. Okay. Last week I announced that due to popular demand, 
we'd be inviting parents to pretend they ate their kids' candy again, and our Instagram was ablaze. It's funny to see how far apart people are on this. Like, one person says, I don't know what's wrong with me. I just do not think this is funny. Another says, I don't know what's wrong with you either. Um, I love Jimmy, but this is child abuse. Not funny at all. Followed by, this is so savage yet hilarious. Is it just me, or is kids being tormented just not funny? Tormented about Halloween? I don't know, but this is just mean. I only wish I had a child to steal from. And I know some people think it's wrong or mean or whatever, but here's how I look at it. After Halloween, do you not sneak into your kid's trick-or-treat bag and eat at least a few of their kids? Well, then... You're just being honest when you tell them you ate it, okay? And not all the kids scream and yell. Some of them show real maturity. I ate all your Halloween candy. I'm very disappointed in you, Mom. I'm a little disappointed in you, Mom. I'm sorry, I love you. I love you too, but I'm very disappointed. And, of course, the all-time classic uh, from 2011, the greatest I ate your candy video of all time. I ate all your candy. You have no no more Halloween candy left. What? She ate it. The heck? Aww. Did you see how much I had? I went to a lot of houses. I know. I <laughs> ate it all. It tasted so good, especially the peanut butter cups. <gasps> you sneaky mom! <laughs> Sneaky moms and dads, this is your final call to action. Pretend you ate your kids' candy tomorrow. Not some of it, all of it. Record a video, upload it to YouTube with the message, Hey, Jimmy Kimmel, I told my kids I ate their Halloween candy. Be on the lookout for a message from us on your YouTube account. No one checks those as a message, but you have to. It's how we get in touch with you, and we'll put the best ones on the show. Right? Well, that'll be tonight. That, yeah, yeah, so funny. I love watching those. I do, too. Yeah. I do, too. And I some would just of the straight kids... out say you have to separate out a third because I'm bringing you to the hospital. Well, mm-hmm. I always gave my mom all the almond joy, everything that was just nasty. Mounds. Mounds. Oh, I love like, those. You can have oh, those this. are like my favorite. That's the mom candy bomb or dad candy bar. <laughs> oh. Anything with coconut. Oh, I or, love it. Yeah. Love the, it. the rare kids, a rare yes. child likes an yes. almond joy or a mom's bar. I have a friend who was returning because she didn't use all the candy and returning it just to get it out of the house. Oh, really? Yeah. And there's there's like a big, there's like a Halloween street over by Woodbury High School with the lights and the smoke, but the entire street neighborhood, neighborhood yeah. does. It's like a Christmas lights, It was unbelievable how yeah. many, it's pretty cool. I yeah. mean, people get into it. Well, Heidi Klum had her costume party after a two-year hiatus and she did not disappoint, although... No. She's one of those women who are people that commits to. She was she just really, as a worm. I saw it. I loved it. And then when she got into the party, she took out of the worm outfit and she was in a bedazzled. She was dressed as a gold choker. Yeah, mm-hmm. is that what it was? It was. Yeah. Laura, yeah. she looked like it was. She put like little gold chokers all over her body to cover her private spots. It yeah, skimpy is. So you come but in she as still a worm. Had the worm she face. did. You come in as a worm and you mm-hmm. come out as yeah. as a gold choker a gold, it, in a bikini. Is it weird that I was still? turned on by her as yeah, a worm. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> we posted it she for looks you good. if you haven't seen it. And uh, Mariah Carey did a cute thing, Bye Bye Halloween, and oh, it's yeah. time for Christmas. We posted that. So she's kind of like this scary witch. And mm-hmm. I love that she just kind of owns it. The day after yeah. Halloween, it's, it's time to move it's on Mariah to the Christmas Kingdom. queen.
All right, listen, when we come back, it's our story we can't get enough of. Bruce Springsteen covering Aretha Franklin. Don't play that song. We played that last Friday. And uh, the Stern Show is being very tight with what they're releasing because they want people to subscribe to listen to the interview. But they did did post um, this part of the Bruce Springsteen interview yesterday, which was a two-hour and 15-minute interview. That's what you you said yesterday. Wow. And Bruce Springsteen talks about making this album of covers called Only the Strong Survive, which comes out a week from Friday, um, approach, you know, the making of this album a little bit different than his other albums because this is all covers. So here it is. Bruce, here's a little bit from your new album. Really? Yeah, listen. (laughs) Come on. From, uh, I'll talk it up, WNBC. I like the sound of that. Yeah. The voice sounds very good. I worked really hard on my singing on this record because I could choose choose music that I could sing well rather than go the other way, you know? Right. So, and this is just such a beautiful song. Beautiful song. The guys that wrote this were incredible. You know, but... When you uh, choose songs for this kind of album where you're going to sing other people's songs... Yeah. Hard or like, I know immediately, these are the ones. I made an entire record doing it and threw it out. So really? I, yeah, I made... Uh, there's 15 songs on this record, 40 songs left on the floor. Wow. You know, so I still will do that sometimes. And on this record, I basically chose songs, A, that I love, and that based around my singing. So what I'm really proud of on this record is, and the one I'm I'm still working on at the house also, is that it's all music that I chose based upon my voice and getting my voice out front. So it's a, it's a lot of fun. And, and just being able to sing some other other great songs right now is, is, is a lot of fun for me. The album, I should tell people, Bruce Springsteen's new album, Only the Strong Survive, there it is. will be available November 11th. Woo! It's weird promoting <laughs> a new album, isn't it, now with this business? I, I mean, don't know. Does it matter? You know, I, I, sort of, I think it's the thing where, uh, you know, I've, I've got a sizable audience that's interested in, thankfully, still interested in, what is, what's interesting me, and I, but your job is, as Marty Scorsese, I think it was once said, the job of the artist is to make the audience care about your obsessions. Mm-hmm. So there and you go. This only the strong survive. It's eighteen R and B songs from either Motown or Stax, or there's another record label, right? And he selected all. Of those songs, so yeah, right. forty I mean, on the floor, too. forty on the floor, wow. and Bruce looked so good. Yeah, People were like, oh, "Howard, why didn't you ask him about his what he's eating, what he's working out? Right. His skin looked amazing. He was tan. Just like Bruce can get it." What what country singer said they work out because of Bruce? Was it Zach? Brown? Tim, Tim McGraw, Tim, I think, has said it too. He he did it for yeah. Stop I think drinking. someone. I feel like. He inspired this, somebody. He did. I, inspired I, a lot. I, mm-hmm. I think the concert I went to at the fair. Okay. And Chris, yeah, I think so. Yeah. But I mean, gosh, he really looks good. Yeah. And then I was listening to Howard this morning, and he was just on a Bruce Springsteen high talking with Robin about the interview and the different revelations and just how nice Bruce was. And, and uh, Bruce came in for a sound check, and because it, it's the first time Howard's been back in his studio. In two and a half Finally. years. Finally. 
he's been at his oh, house. and he loved it. Yes. He could throw people crazy. Yes, so he was back in the studio. They had four of Bruce's guitars all set up, the piano, and he said he came in for sound check because Howard's like, I want people to sound as good in my recording studio as in any recording studio if they're going to sing on my you know show. Right. So he was like, I've got really good the producers and engineers. And he said, Bruce came in, played a little of Thunder Road on the piano, did it like five strums. And he's like, yeah, we're good. And gave Howard a handshake and a hug, which made Howard very happy because he was nervous because he knows he's talked smack in the past. He was yeah. nervous about doing the interview right. He knew a lot of people would be listening. And then he did play on the piano a, it's called Tougher Than the Rest. And Bruce told Howard that he thinks this is his best uh, love song because it's really a song. I'm just a regular guy. I'm not the richest guy in the world or the best looking guy in the world, but I'll love you the hardest and the longest. And so here he is playing that okay. on the piano. But I want you to know I'll walk it for you anytime. Beautiful, right? Oh. Just beautiful. Then he also, uh, Stern and Robin were, you know, just really like how moved they both were when Bruce Springsteen told the story about sitting at uh, Clarence Clemens' uh, bedside as he was dying of cancer and playing Land of Hope and Dreams. And then he started, you know, got picked up his guitar and mm-hmm. started playing that. And it was just like, I mean. How fun. Uh, it was I just, mean, you, in- you could not cry listening to it. it just so. I don't know. Bruce is in a very happy place. He and is. I guess why wouldn't he be? You know? Didn't he sell? Mm-hmm. He sold his catalog. Yeah. For yeah. like $125 million or something. Yeah. It was more than that. Oh, yeah. all right. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. I believe. I believe. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Who, who I think can you're right. He's, Bruce is the first solo artist in the UK to have a number one album in five different decades. Yeah. Oh. He just uh, did that. You know. Let's do the guessing game. You said 125. What do you think? I think 300 million. 550 million. 550. Because yeah. he's written too many huge. songs. Yeah. And, there's, and there's such a commercialized uh, yeah. catalog that yes. there's so much money to be made there. 550 million dollars. I know it. Oh I know God. it. And very sad news about. Uh, uh, Takeoff, who's one oh. third of the Migos, yeah. uh, unbelievable really happening crazy. in Houston, uh, getting shot. It seems like it's, I don't know what kind of, if it, it seems like it was, uh, an early morning shootout in a bowling alley at a private party during a dice game. Somebody yes. got mad and pulled out a gun and he was with his uncle who's off. Uh, uh. Hey, it's Mike, and I'm so excited to tell you about Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. We're all busy, and with Factor, eating fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted meals has never been simpler. Two minutes is all you need to heat and eat wherever you are. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals each week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash LJPod50 and use code LJPod50 to get 50% off. That's code LJPod50 at factormeals.com slash LJPod50 to get 50% off. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, they're Offset's cousin. Yeah. And Uncle. Uh, it starts with a Q. Yeah. Quavo. Quavo. Yes, yeah. He's you. the uncle. Yeah. And this is uh, Takeoff and, and then, Offset are the, the I mean, just cousins. so Terrible. random. He's only 28 years Terrible. old. Terrible. So people are very like upset about that. Offset. And he was just on Drink Champs like last week and talked about he wanted his flowers while he was here. Not when he yeah, was gone. He, yeah, he made Weird. that creepy comment. La- yeah, I read that. Yeah, yeah that's really... Ooh. Oh, I know. Anyway, that's too bad. All right, listen, um, we come back with Brian Freeman joining us. If you are a fan of his uh, Jonathan Stride police procedural series we finally have a new one book number 11 it's out today's the book birthday welcome back and thanks for hanging out with us we are delighted to have one of our favorite local authors brian freeman with us tell us about his latest book but before we get to it i want to make sure everyone knows that the loj book club is sponsored by the book club restaurant and you're going to love it it's in south minneapolis and every time you go there you can get a free appetizer or dessert with your meal when you mention the Loj Book Club, and without further ado, hi Brian, hi Brian Freeman. Hey, it's great to talk to you again. You Good too. to talk to you. You can. Uh, uh, we've. This is your book uh, birthday for the zero night with the zero night, which is your eleventh book in the Jonathan Stride series, and you're kicking off your. Uh, publishing day by being in Duluth and you're going to be at the Barnes and Noble on uh, Miller Trunk Highway at 630 tonight. That's cool. It, it, it is. In fact, I'm staring out at Lake Superior right now. It's the perfect place to be uh, to be for the launch of the new stride novel. I, I can't believe there's 11 stride novels now. And this is my 25th published novel. So it, it's a big Congratulations, day. Congratulations, Brian. That's Thank a big you. deal. But you've made us wait for this Jonathan stride. <laughs> it has been a couple years since you last met Stride. The, the previous book was Funeral for a Friend, and that came out all the way back in uh, in 2020 in the midst of all the madness. Right. So, uh, I didn't really have a chance to do much in the way of events back then, so it's nice to have a chance to be back in Duluth and uh, and, and seeing readers again face-to-face. What, oh. what is what is it cl- clear and beautiful up there like it is down here? It is a stunning day up here. Yes, it is. Lovely. All, All right. right. Give people the setup of the, the zero, zero night. night. Uh, and, and again, I think, you know, like with the Jonathan stride, I mean, you can read them in order if you want um, or not. It doesn't matter. Exactly. I you think. can Because I haven't read the, all of them and mm-hmm. I just you can pick it up and you you don't. Yeah, it feels great. It's a great book. Yeah, that's exactly what I try to do with my series novels is I want you to be able to dive into the series with, with any of the books and, and get a full, rich understanding of the characters. And, uh, and I think that's very much true of The Zero Night. Uh, and uh, I, I love the twists and turns of this book. Uh, it, uh, it, it involves uh, this, this kidnapping up in Duluth and this uh, stride who, who had some, some difficulties in Funeral for a Friend has been on medical leave for uh, the past year or so, it is is pulled back 
uh, onto the force to deal with this kidnapping case and, and uh, uh, begins to suspect that this could be sort of the most diabolical murder conspiracy that he's uh, encountered in a long, long time. So, uh, and, and then his wife, Serena, is, is dealing with the loss uh, of her mother, and, and she had an abusive childhood, and, and Serena has had a lot of struggles, and, and that loss sort of, sort of knocks, her, uh, knocks her for a loop, and, uh, and, and she's dealing with a lot of struggles throughout this book as well. So it's a very character-driven, emotional mystery. I, I really am excited to have this in the hands of readers. Oh, it's, oh. it's really, it's, it's so good. I got up at 5 o'clock this morning to finish reading the book. I was like, <laughs> I was like at 11 last night, I'm like, I've got to go to sleep, and then I wake up at 5 to can you cause so I could finish reading it and you know finish it before you came on and not that we're gonna you know get to uh, all the many twists and turns but you've got a lot of twists and turns and you know what I was really struck by Brian was and I don't think this is giving away anything but uh, Stride's wife Serena when you paint the picture of her going in to the bar and I feel like I know the bar in the West End that you're talking about that she goes in. Right. Um, and she's, she, you know, she's been sober for 6,708 nights and decides to drink. I mean, the way you wrote about that, the description, the longing, everything about it, it just gave me goosebumps. Well, thank you. Yeah, that, that was, that was such a, a powerful emotional scene to write. And, and that's really, uh, that's what really drives the, the, the title of the book, because uh, ever since she's been sober all these years, automatically every night, Serena's mind just sort of adds one night to the to the count of nights in which she hasn't had a drink. And, and of course, now in this book, she she's you know knocked for such a loop and faces the prospect of the zero night. And, mm-hmm. and that's the title of the book. Yeah. And, and just the way you write it, that first sip that, you know, like all of her, the conflicting emotions, it just was really, really so well done, I thought. Um, and just with an understanding of like, really, what a difficult thing that is. Thank you. Yeah, I, I whenever whenever I deal with those kind of you know intense emotional scenes, I always want to make sure I I, I kind of capture what's really going on in, in the heads and hearts of the characters. Brian, did you live in Duluth? You know, I have never lived in Duluth. Uh, obviously, we're we're up here, you know, all the time doing research on locations, and and I love to use real Duluth locations uh, in all of the Stride novels. But I kind of like actually still being a little bit of an outsider in Duluth because I think it it helps you stay, you know, connected to the drama of the of the city. I think if you live somewhere, it's easy to sort of lose touch with the you know what 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 the real drama of the location is. It's it's sort of like living in a place like San Francisco, where after a while people sort of forget how magical the, uh, the the beauty of the place is except when people come to town right <laughs> right and and that i think is always so fun about reading you know the stride books because it's so much fun oh i know that place he's mm-hmm. talking about laurie's thinking i think i know which bar that yeah. is I mean, you, yeah. kinda, you can place yourself in the settings and think it, it just kind of gives you a different connection but wow you write books you are a writer <laughs> we just had you well, on i I, I love I love giving people that sort of you are there feel with the settings. You know, uh-huh. you can drop down into every scene and you can hear it and touch it and taste it and smell it, feel it happen all around you. Well, and even, you know, with you've got the one storyline about like possibly, you know, the gambling that might be happening down uh, by the docks and where the, you know, the grain comes in and sort of all that. And I remember my grandma 
would uh, when I was in high school, don't you go anywhere near, you know, the ports <laughs> or anything like that. There's just bad people waiting to, you know, and so like you, and it is one of the things with Duluth, you know, being a port city, there is sort of this whole element of underground things that are happening that because are not a, in the up and up because of everyone coming and going and right. the ease of hiding. Yeah. Yep. That, yeah, that's exactly right. It gives that whole extra dimension to the city, and, and I love to be able to explore that in the books. Yeah. Oh, gosh. What's happening with the stride? Now, well, last Brian we talked, Freeman is who yes, we're talking with. The Brian book is Freeman. The Zero Night. Um, the Zero Night. So last we talked about at least stride, maybe in 2020, but of course everything was put on hold. But I feel like it was going to be TNT or TBS was looking at it for series. A TV series. Yeah, yeah, they 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 were. It was it was AMC actually. Oh, AMC. And, uh, yeah, we we sort of we sort of got hit by COVID as so many right. TV projects did, and uh, that uh, uh, that kind of put everything on on hold, and, and it's been kind of tough to get projects rolling again. But uh, I'm really excited about the fact that one of my standalone novels, Infinite has been optioned really? by Universal and they are in the in the second round of the screenplay on Infinite. So we're we're crossing our fingers. That's awesome, Brian. What is is that kind of like an ultimate does it just feel like validation to see it that that's happening or what does that kind of feel like? It is uh, what what what's fun for me is that when I was thinking about Infinite, I had actually considered doing infinite as as my first screenplay and and in the end i decided no i'm i'm a novelist i'm going to do it as a novel but i think sort of the the visual power that i envision for that book carries through into the novel and i think that's why uh, universal found it appealing yeah good for you have you ever cast like uh, lieutenant stride did you have any casting choices in mind when we... Well, you know, it's funny because Stride's been around for so long now. I mean, my, my very first Stride novel, Immoral, came out all the way back in uh, 2005. All, back then, I, I always thought, well, someone like, you know, Russell Crowe could do Stride. He's got that sort of combination of toughness and emotional sensitivity. But, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, a lot of years have passed. And yes. Maybe, maybe he's getting a little too old for that. And I don't know, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting older, too. Even <laughs> if just Stride manages to stay young. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I, lo- I love that. And um, so what is the question that everybody always asks you about Jonathan Stride? One of the, one of the best questions I get uh, from readers is uh, if I met Jonathan Stride on the street, would I recognize him? Mm. And uh, I, I always say, well, you know, I don't think I would, but I bet you would, uh, because I very deliberately paint Stride in watercolors. I want to provide enough detail to feed your imagination, but I then let you fill in the details of, of who that character is. And I think that means that readers have a very vivid image in their own mind of who Stride is and, and what he looks like, but it may be very different from, from a different reader and, and how they perceive Stride. And I also think that kind of gives them an emotional connection to the characters in the story because they've sort of played a role in bringing that character to life. That is like, you're so good, Brian. You really, that just sounds like a really, that just sounds cool because that's right. Everyone, <laughs> everyone thinks, and that's why I'm just going to thinking when they cast Tom Cruise as whoever. Oh, Jack Reacher. Jack Reacher. We like, how we, that makes no sense. Because he was, we know he's 6'4 in the novels and we know how big he is. And then Tom Cruise was cast and we're like, ah, oh, that ruined it for everybody. <laughs> well, they, know, they, 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 uh, they made up for that in the, in the new TV version. Didn't yes. They? Kind of a giant as Reacher. So. <laughs> he's so good though, too. Well, yeah. thank you so much for your time, Brian. Happy birthday and congratulations on 20 five published novels you're 
New York Times bestselling author Brian Freeman. The new book is Zero, The Zero Night. Good luck up there. Thank you so much. Where do you want people to go to find out about author events? What's the best website? Bfreemanbooks.com is always the the best way to find out anything. All right. Bfreemanbooks. Thank you again, Brian. Brian. The book is The Zero Night. We highly recommend it. All right. We've got a couple copies to give away. 651-641-1071. We'll be right back. All right. I got two little gossip stories from my uh, favorite little, you know, and it's not just my favorite, but a lot of people like to go to Dumois for some gossip. The Instagram account. Yes, that Instagram account, Dumois. Dumois, it's an unverified, mm-hmm. you know, um, they get tips directly, but it, there's a lot of good stuff. Yeah, we found we've out had, a lot of good you've stuff. You've had good stuff, yeah. And we don't know who owns the account, but they do have a podcast. And so there's two rumors. So the first one, remember last week when Katy Perry's eye was like yep. twitching Got, robotically? Yes. Yeah. Twitching. Apparently, there's some surgery. A surgery? Because I was just thinking it was... And people are getting called the fox eye surgery. Tell me you're kidding And supposedly Katy Perry has done this fox eye surgery, and there's all kinds of little complications for getting this sort of brighter, starry-eyed look. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is literally, is it a plastic surgery? Yes, it's a plastic surgery. What is it supposed to do, make your eyes... Look foxy. Foxy eyes. Get them foxy eyes. wide open. Okay. Line. Oh, okay. Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have to look this up because I'm going look to look it up. Foxy eyes. Okay. Fox in the meantime, eye. shout out to Jane and Kelly. Yes. Our, our book winners, Jane, is a huge um, Brian fan. Yeah. Oh, good. She's read all of his books. So that's really well, fun. So and good. Kelly, you're going to love it too. You guys are going to love the book, The Zero Night. Okay. Back to this fox. Fox eye. Um, so according to Dumois. I'm I'm having a moment over this. Yes, I know. No. Yeah. And so according to Dumois, you know, uh, Katy Perry is someone who's had it. And she would be very much interested in, you know, acting and stuff. But you can't act when your eye just like is spasming and glitching and shutting. Because I saw this and yeah. I, it, it looked like it stayed open like. And then it closed. It stayed closed. Like she couldn't get it open. And I mean, they tried to say it was, it was some glue. kind of an eyelash glue, but it wasn't. It's the fox me? eye surgery. And then she even like did like a little tap on the side when she had her head. Like there's a little. She like it's like she hits the side of her face. It's like she's kind of pushing a button to open up. Even though that's not that was kind of the speculation. But she does a little tap and, there to get it to moving again. And I'm just trying to figure out what it does to your eyes. Are you trying to make them foxy? Uh, yeah, I know, but that's so uh, but generic. Think of, but think about if you remember the picture of her eyes in that picture, very wide eyed, pretty. I would imagine this is just my perspective, yeah. you know, with some nice, you know, pullback a little bit mm-hmm. to get that line, you know, yeah. with the big wide eyed. There's some doll. issues with this eyelid yeah. surgery, according to Dumois, and that starlets and models should be, be- beware. <laughs> um, and so that's one story. Then the other big story. You know, she blamed that on. She says, you know, I was having a technical difficulty. I shoot beer out of my nipples. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> that's what that's she perfect. said. That's yeah. what she oh, said. Yeah, but that's not it. It's the fox I eye surgery. I am so freaked out by this. Yes. Because she couldn't open it. <clears throat> no, I, I'm I'm well aware. And oh. uh, so it's just a warning to anybody who's thinking about it um, to maybe not... You know, do it. Then the other thing that Dumois uh, shared is from this recent episode is that um, 
Britney Spears and Sam Ascari might not be legally married. Stop. <laughs> because they have not filed the necessary paperwork. You have to do it in 30 days. To I just got married. I know this. Sam is not fully... So here, here's Uh-oh. the thing. Supposedly, they had a hard time working on the prenup. Is that he had asked for large financial increases for every five years that yes. the couple was married. For hours put in, kind of. And the negotiations took longer than expected as he wanted to make sure he didn't end up broke in the event they divorced. Sure. Which fans find that laughable because he doesn't have any money. He's in I a spite, you know. Yeah. But anyway, the only person with money was Brittany, and so her lawyers were kind of slow going. And then when Sam unfollowed Brittany on Instagram... Before their marriage? No, this this was during... Well, after they got married, okay. and then she dropped out, and then she, she came back on. But the rumor is that they're not living in the same place, that Brittany is working on her trauma that she's finally out from under this conservatorship. She didn't really believe she'd get out. It had been almost 14 years, and it felt like, think about what we've been doing for the last 14 years. I mean, you'd lose your hope. So he's giving her lots of space, um, and so... um, so that that's the rumor that they're not legally married and that um that they might just be having some space. Would you like to Hollywood speak that, Missy? Well, I think that they uh, I guess I guess I could see her maybe kind of realizing that she was relying on him in a way and maybe she just wants to like feel her own too. Yeah, that wasn't You know, maybe they have gone on a couple of some of their vacations together because he seems to take the photos, but we never see him. She doesn't reference him. So it's just all fueling the story that. um, And then maybe because there was all this stuff with the prenup, maybe it didn't get done in time when they got married because you have to have it done uh, 48 hours before you get married because they can't say you signed it under duress. Right. Look how I know these things. Well, you know, you mm-hmm. just got married. I you did, know but, these things. But it's interesting that she is... Um, that relationship would be hard. I, you know... They got together under in the conservatorship. Yeah. He was a dancer. Well, He's quite a bit younger. He's like 12 years younger than she is. You yeah. know, they've been together now for quite a while. I, six or seven years. Right. So, I don't know. We'll just keep our eyes peeled yeah, over there. Yeah, I just think that whole... I just... I wish... I wish for her that there's someone safe and healthy around her besides the attorney. Yeah, well, we just I, hopefully she's got a therapist that I, she's seen somebody, and I wouldn't be surprised if right, she is. Right. You know... I hope so. Yeah, I think so. The other thing, Lindsay Lohan is, is going to have new music dropping in November. Nice! Just, well, she's that's on, happening. Yeah. We, yeah, with their movie yesterday. And... Chrissy Teigen has been accused of copying the cake mixes of a baker she collaborated with, and we're calling it Cake Gate because. Oh, I, the, I said to Lori Grant, "What is Cake, cake Gate? Because this has got to be good." Okay, so yeah. Chrissy, uh, there's this woman who goes by the Caker, and they released a thing where they were, they did a Caker times cravings carrot cake, carrot cake mix, and they were both like. You know, dressed as princesses, lady. It was a very cute collab. It was on Instagram. They did this thing and they released it in this carrot cake mix in collaboration with Chrissy. 
And this judge, this uh, Jordan Rondell, she was the great Kiwi Bake Off um, judge. This is her sure, company, sure. and she said that Cravings has been trying to cancel their agreement with her. And she's like, well, we're just going to do a limited thing. Anyway, Chrissy Teigen's Cravings came out, and it's exact, exactly the Uh-oh. same look as the caker. Like, exactly. But Chrissy hasn't commented on it. and Because um, her kitchenware, everything is called Cravings. But it's the box cake mix of this Kiwi Bake Off judge. And this Rondo's like, I don't have any money to sue. I just can't believe they're blatantly ripping me off. And I thought, well, Chrissy, Julie, and I can because we know that that's what happens. That's what happens. With entrepreneurs as they get ripped off. People that have more money, that have more clout. But it is such a, she went to Instagram showing her cake or cake mixes and cravings in there. Exactly, right down to the cover art, and oh, really? so we'll see. All we'll right. see if Chrissy Teigen is going to make her all right cake thing, you know, right. We'll see with Rondell, with Ronda Rondell. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back. This is Lori and Jordan. Jordan Rondell. For nine years, a dangerous man terrorized women, breaking into homes and raping his victims before killing a brilliant young scientist in 1998. The more the victims resisted, the more violent he became. Then he suddenly stops, leaving police with a lot of clues and one unknown subject. I'm Paul Wagner. Join me for Unknown Subject, season three of WTOP's American Nightmare podcast series. Search American Nightmare podcast on all podcast platforms today. 